All right. We're taking all the best old school wisdom and blending it with the top new school methods to bring you the optimal coaching strategies. This is the 8020 Baseball Podcast with Coach Bo. Welcome 8020 Baseball community, 8020 Baseball coaches. Got a good one this week. This week's episode, we will discuss eye training, eyesight training. We're going to get into the five top tweets of the month, the five top coaching tweets of the month. And I got a quote of the week, a coaching quote of the week. That's not actually from a coach, but from one of the more famous baseball players of the last 50 years and how we can learn from that. We'll discuss that that in just a minute. 8020 Baseball Weekly Episode, 8020 Baseball Masterclass, 8020 Baseball Podcast. We believe fluff is not enough and we cover the big needle movers first and foremost. We dive into the details of those big needle movers and we understand that youth baseball is much different than high school baseball, definitely advanced high school baseball, college pro ball, much different in a lot of ways. Most obvious of those is the skill development and the skill sets of youth players versus older players. But the other big difference, and it hinders youth baseball coaches and teams and players, mainly because we don't adjust for it. And what I'm speaking specifically about here is practice time allocation, training at time, the amount of training time youth players, youth coaches have with their teams, with their sport versus the more advanced levels. It's a big difference. It's a big difference. And we need to account for that. Hence the 80-20 principle, 80-20 baseball. So it's great to be here this week and we're going to talk first and foremost eye training. Now you might think Coach Bo eye training isn't this a little more advanced? Yes eye training is advanced but I would make this recommendation at a minimum. I would recommend as a coach that you recommend your players parents to get each kid's eyesight checked before the year. Just go get it checked. Now, if they recently got it checked or they already wear glasses or contacts, etc., so they already know where they stand with their eyesight, then good. Okay, great. Moving forward. But if you have some kids on your team that have never had their eyesight checked or have not had it checked in a while, it might be a good recommendation to their parents to recommend that they go get their eyesight checked. Go in and get it checked. And hopefully it's all good. But if there is something off just a little bit, that can make a huge huge difference in the sport of baseball in any sport but definitely baseball baseball is a smaller object it's a white object the ball is white with a little red and the backdrops of things the sky the background it's coming fast it spins differently and eyesight is very important in all sports but in baseball it's really important definitely for hitting it's really important for hitting to be able to see that ball really well not just the ball itself but the depth perception the spin it's important to be able to pick that up quick because there's such a small amount of time to decide to hit and then swing and hit the ball. You're talking milliseconds, hundreds of seconds, not even a half second to decide if that pitch is worth the swing or not, or should they swing at it or not. I think recommending all players, if they have not recently had their eyes checked, I recommend they go get their eyes checked and just say, hey, this is going to help you be better at the game of baseball. Eye training, and this topic came up, I was reading an article by Sports Tech or Sports Techie. They do a weekly newsletter that I get. I like tech and sports. I think it's overrated in terms of training. I think it's overvalued. I like the idea of technology for gamification purposes, but in youth baseball, I think it's overrated. I think it's overvalued for the most part. That is technology and using advanced technology and implementing more 
technology at the youth level and even high school and even maybe at the pro and college level, it might be overvalued and we'll have to hit the brakes a little on some of that. But I do like technology and I do think it has some advantages. And I get this article newsletter emailed to me and lo and behold, this is like a national newsletter and lo and behold, the first article, the top article for this last week had a video that was part of the article and on the video was a guy that I used to coach. And I've actually mentioned him on this podcast a while back, maybe a year or two ago. And he, it was great to see a former player on there. His dad is the founder of the training facility. It's over in Orange County. And I'm not going to get too much into this part of it because I want to talk about what we can learn from it. But the dad, who I know well and knew well as I coached his son, has this facility and he started up this eye training facility to train athletes of all sorts. And they really dive into this. And I just want you to understand eyesight is very important, of course, but I think it's more important than many of us would probably think. With that said, I do at a minimum recommend all your players just go get their eyesight checked, just a quick check in to see how their eyesight is, because that could, if you get one player, that could make the difference between them having success and having no success, especially at the plate. And if kids don't have success, they may not know it's because their eyesight's a little off and it may just be a little off. Of course, it's not that they're blind or anything. It's just that their eyesight might be a little off and being a little off can make a big difference. I remember when I got diagnosed in eighth grade with type one diabetes. Didn't know I had it, of course, until I got diagnosed with it. But I remember playing two months of baseball and the ball was very blurry. And those of you that are familiar with diabetes, type one diabetes, when you have high blood sugars, your eyesight starts to get really blurry. And I remember not being able to read the board in school. Now I went from kindergarten to seventh grade, middle of eighth grade, being able to read the board just fine from anywhere in the class. No problem. Now, did I care to read the board? That was another story. Let's just say I was thinking more about sports when I was in elementary school and thinking more about other things, recess and lunch than I was necessarily the class. But my point is I could see the board perfectly fine until the middle of eighth grade and I stopped being able to see the board really well. It was very blurry. These are little things that do come up. Now, of course, you're not probably going to come into contact with a player who's undiagnosed type one diabetic. But my point is there's a lot of things that can affect eyesight. And I think it would be worth as a coach or parent to take your player in and just get their eyes checked. If they're going to play baseball, you're talking about a football that's going quickly and coming at them fast. And if they miss it by when they're hitting, for example, if they miss that ball by half an inch. That's the difference between an out and a hit in many cases. If they miss it by a few inches where their swing is off by two or three inches. And remember the strike zone, the strike zone for a major league player, 450 square inches, something like that. It's like over 400 square inches. So we could go down and figure out youth baseball. It's going to be 250 inches, square inches, 200 square inches for a little guy, probably half. Let's just say half. You got a kid up there who's got to cover a strike zone that's 200 square inches. And if they're off by a few inches with that swing, that's a difference between striking out and getting a hit or strong contact or weak contact. So I highly recommend each player before the season go in and get the eyes quickly checked if they haven't recently had them checked. Now, eye training, getting better with your eyesight is something to keep in mind for those younger players. But as you kid or if you're a player listening to this, as you get older, then you might consider 15 to 30 minutes of eye training each week, depending on your schedule, or 15 to 30 minutes twice a week. Just a little bit can really pay off. I remember being in the Long Beach State, the Cal State Long Beach training room years ago. This must have been almost 20 years ago. And I was in there and I remember seeing Evan Longoria, Longo. Many of you know Evan Longoria, still playing, played this last year with the Giants. Most of you know who I'm talking about. Evan went to Long Beach State and he was in there doing some work, but he was doing eyesight work. He was working on his eyes. 
And it was surprising only because I just didn't see that very much, even at that level, even at the elite division one college level. And I remember him being in there working on this eyesight in depth perception, basically had these little balls attached to the string. In fact, when I saw the video that was attached to the article this past week and the email I got, they were doing that very same drill among many others. I do think that it's something to keep in mind, eye training, definitely for hitters that want to progress to another level, to the higher level. Pitch recognition, we've talked about that over and over again here, is the number one part of hitting. I really truly believe at all levels, pitch recognition and understanding what pitches to swing at and what pitches not to swing at is the number one thing hitters must learn to do well and consistently. And the eyes and the brain working with the eyes do that. It's not the swing, it's not the stance, insofar as they're not moving and bobbing and doing too much movement with their head and things like that. So I'll leave it at that. At a minimum, make sure all your players, your kid, their eyesight's dialed in. Make sure their eyesight is dialed in as best as possible before the season starts. And then think about, if you can, doing some eye training. Maybe you do 15 minutes. I'm sure there's some apps out there. I haven't dug into any apps for that, but I'm sure there's some apps for sports training. But there's some other things you can do. And if you do a little homework, and I'll dive into some of this down the road here. But first and foremost, make sure their eyes are dialed in. Get the doctor to take a look at those. Do a quick eye check. Make sure that's good. And then maybe look into some eye training exercises. But at a minimum, make sure they're dialed in and then get out there and start letting them hit a lot of baseballs, get in the box, see a lot of pitches. All right, let's transition over to the quote of the week. This is the coaching quote of the week. And this may be the first time we've used a quote of the week from a player. Now, this player has retired. This player is known in the baseball world as the kid. He played for the Mariners and the Reds. Most of you know who I'm talking about here. If not, Ken Griffey Jr. Ken Griffey Jr. Here's the quote of the week, the coaching quote of the week. This is from MajorLeagueBaseball.com, an article. He said, quote, I am not looking at the infielders. This is with regard to the shift. They're talking about, of course, getting rid of the shift. They're going to get rid of the shift this year at the major league level. Youth baseball, lower levels, you might see some shifting. Typically, you don't, but you might see some. Some of you have already seen that. Here's what he said, quote, I am not looking at the infielders. A shift would just block a ground ball. I'm not trying to hit a ground ball. I'm trying to hit line drives, end quote. Says a lot, right? We've talked about it on this podcast. The hitting approach is not to hit ground balls. It's not to hit pop-ups. It's to hit hard line drives. Really trying to hit line drives. At a minimum, we're looking to hit hard one hoppers through the infield. And at the highest, we're trying to hit hard fly balls, not pop-ups, not easy fly balls, and definitely not weak ground balls. We're trying to hit line drives. Just to give you an idea, I like that hitting the ball hard at 20 degree angle, launch angle per se. A 20 degree launch angle in between 15 and 25 degrees hitting the ball hard. With two strikes, this isn't always something that's achievable or attainable. With two strikes, you don't always get to set the terms. The pitcher, the strike zone, the umpire is going to set the terms with two strikes. That's why we have the plan A approach and the plan two approach. Two strike approach and the less than two strike approach. But with that said, King Griffey's quote, I really think this is useful. This is one of the better hitters of all time. And his quote, I think is very useful useful in that we really are trying hard to get players to not hit ground balls nor pop-ups hard line drives he said again quote i'm not looking at the infielders a shift would just block a ground ball i'm not trying to hit a ground ball i'm trying to hit line drives and that was asking him if what would he do if they had the shift or they did the shift when he was playing and he said it would just block ground balls that's not what i'm trying to hit now i'm not trying to say i don't think the shift should be banned or not i don't really have thoughts on that really i don't and 
at the lower levels, you might see it, you might not, you probably won't see it too much because there's really not massive scouting reports. Although if you're in a smaller community and you play the same teams over and over again, you might see it. But this is the message you should share with your hitters. They shouldn't be looking at the infielders with regards to that. They might be checking out that third baseman. Third baseman starts playing back. Maybe they're putting the drag bunt down, sure. But they shouldn't necessarily be looking at the infielders when they're hitting other than the third baseman. They shouldn't look at the infielders. They should be looking for a good pitch to drive, hitting hard line drives or low fly balls that are hit hard. And that takes care of everything else. All right, last part of this week's episode, tweets of the month. I got, this might be the best set of tweets. These are not my tweets. These are tweets that I follow along and gather up through the course of a month. This, so these are from the past month. These tweets are just full of gold when it comes to wisdom. The top five tweets of the month. We always try to do this the first episode of the month. Here we go. Coaching tweets of the month. This one is from Greg Burge or Burge. He's at GB1121. I want to make sure I give credit to where credit is due. That's why I'm going to list off the name and their Twitter handle. Five questions to ask your child after a game. Number one, did you have fun? Number two, did you do your best? Number three, did you support your teammates? Number four, were you a positive leader? And number five, what did you learn? And then wrap it up by telling them, I love watching you play today. Greg Berge or Greg Burge at GB1121 on Twitter. Love that. I love it. Just a great checklist. If you want to catch that again, rewind it, write that down. Good stuff. The next tweet, Brian Kane. And Brian Kane is a mental strength coach, a mental sports performance coach. This tweet, Brian Kane, he said, be where you need to be when you need to be there. He said, be present, not perfect. Life is not a game of perfect. Practice presence. Be where you need to be when you need to be there. Love it. This is a message that we can share with our players. So Brian Kane is at Brian Kane, C-A-I-N, peak, at Brian Kane peak on Twitter. And his comment of being present, not perfect. That's a good message for our players. We don't want them to be perfect or ideally, yeah, it'd be great, but they're not going to be perfect. So let's emphasize one thing they have ultimate control over for the most part. Now, in reality, being perfectly mindful and in the moment, let's be real, is probably not attainable, but it could be a lot better for almost all of us and definitely for kids at focused fun. That's a great motto, focused fun. Players should be having fun out there, but they should be focused. Sometimes fun starts getting distracting and starts turning into playtime and they get distracted and the productivity really suffers because it's goofy. It's fun, but it gets goofy and they lose their focus. But if they can have fun and keep their focus, focused fun, that can be the perfect combination for a player that's present, but also playing loose. So Brian Kane with a very nice tweet there made the top five tweets. Number three on our top five list. This is from Kevin Wilson at KW Baseball. At KW Baseball, some coaches think they'll gain more credibility by trying to sound smart. I'll tell you what, these last three are just amazing. This one right here is probably my favorite and probably the most useful for all of us. Kevin Wilson said, quote, some coaches think they'll gain more credibility by trying to sound smart, but what they don't realize is the player will suffer in the end. This is hugely useful insight. This is so true. Sounding sophisticated, sounding complex, trying to have a sense of complexity behind your message to 
you look smart or look like you're very knowledgeable, that's rampant in not just youth baseball, but at all levels. And who suffers? The players. So I'll read it again. This is my favorite tweet, coaching tweet of the month. Quote, some coaches think they'll gain more credibility by trying to sound smart. But what they don't realize is the player, the players will suffer in the end. Keep it simple. And I see this so much in baseball and out there on the baseball field and the baseball community. In fact, I was watching some videos recently. Two weeks ago, I was watching quite a few videos, the ABCA convention videos. And so these are some of the brightest top minds in all of baseball, all of baseball from all levels. And I remember going to these conventions 18 years ago, and it's still prevalent today. And it's get up there and try to sound really smart by using complex terminology, big words, inside words, inside kind of slogans and terms and acronyms and things like that. And players suffer. We need to be clear and concise with our message. We need to keep it simple, as simple as we can, but no simpler. This is something that we should all keep in mind. If you're trying to go out there and sound smart, your players will not be getting better as fast as they can be. We should be going out there trying to coach smart. And that means by keeping it straightforward, concise, clear, simple. Players that have a clear focus, players that get a message from their coach in a concise, clear way can go out and play more freely. They can play looser. They can play faster when they have to filter through this coaching message that lack clarity. They're going to go out there and they're going to play slower. Clarity helps players play fast and make better decisions. And if they play fast and loose and make good decisions, watch out. They're going to be playing at their peak. All right. Tweet number four. This is from Jeff Leach at Coach Jeff Leach. He said, a successful head coach of a nearby Division I program rarely talks about mechanics. He's talking about hitters here. Views almost every hitting problem as a timing slash decision issue. After a bad at bat, there's two questions. Were you early or late? And did you swing at a good pitch to hit? And to finish the tweet off, Jeff said, simple and effective way to make meaningful in-game adjustments. So Jeff says he saw a successful head coach at a nearby program and or he knows this coach and that coach rarely talks mechanics. Doesn't say he doesn't talk mechanics, swing mechanics. Coach Leach here doesn't say that coach that he's discussing here that he's referring to doesn't talk about the swing. He just says he rarely talks about mechanics and swing mechanics and he views almost every problem as a timing or decision issue. Were you early or late or were you on time and did you swing at a good pitch to hit? If the hitter's on time and they swing at a good pitch to hit with less than two strikes because you cannot look for a good pitch to hit with two strikes. Of course, you're not always going to get a good pitch to hit with two strikes. You still have to swings. All right. If it's a good pitcher's pitch with two strikes, you still have to swing. All right. It may not be a pitch you can do much with, but you still got to swing. I really like this tweet. I think it hits on some really key things that tie in with the 80-20 baseball hitting approach directly. And the last quote, this is from a well-known head college coach, but this wisdom is useful for all levels. This is coach Dave Serrano. He coached at Cal State Fullerton and at the University of Tennessee. He said, quote, or he tweeted, quote, the goal is to learn how to pitch and not learn how to be a thrower. I will say this again. The best pitchers know how to compete, pound the strike zone. They can stop the running game and they can field their position. Now, some of you are listening to this running game. It doesn't really matter at your level, but the other three fielding their position, that's probably bigger at the youth level than any level because there's a lot more balls that are hit in that pitcher's area around the mound and no man's land in the infield. 
Okay. You don't see as many of those as the hitters get better and can drive the ball further. Fielding their position, pound the strike zone and compete. So they compete on the mound. In other words, they might give up a hit. They might give up a run, but they're still going to compete. They don't quit. They get competitive out there. They're competitive with themselves. They're competitive with their focus. They pound the strike zone with multiple pitches or they pound the strike zones in different locations and they can stop the running game if that applies to your level. That's big. And they field their position. So, so those are the top five tweets of the month. Best one by far. Some coaches think they're going to gain more credibility by trying to sound smart, but what they don't realize is their player. The players will suffer in the end. Kevin Wilson, tweet of the month right there. 8020 Baseball, tweet of the month at KW Baseball on Twitter. And that is going to wrap up this week's episode. Make sure to be here next week. Next week, I'm going to talk to you about, and I didn't hit on this, but this was about a month ago. I went to the national championship game for college football, Georgia, TCU at great seats right there about field level. And after the game, we caught a hockey game at the Staples Center. I'll talk about that. We're going to tie this all in. I'm going to talk about what I heard from the Georgia players when I was talking to some Georgia players in the hotel lobby after the hockey game, which was after the college football championship game. So I went to the championship game. We caught the last part of the hockey game. And then we went over and we hung out in the lobby, had a few cold ones, and we talked to some of the players on the night that they won the national title, talked to some of the players and got their thoughts on Coach Smart. A couple of them shared out something very interesting that I think we can all use. And I'm actually going to tie that into what we can learn from hockey as youth baseball coaches. Hockey's got something going on really well. The culture of hockey has something we should absolutely use and bring into the baseball community and into society for all youth, for that matter. We'll talk about that next week. And two weeks from now, we're going to talk about, I'm going to recommend something that's going to diversify the player, your kid, your players' athletic routine, their youth sports routine. We're going to diversify. We're going to go outside of sports. And I'm going to share a recommendation with all of you that I'm getting a little more familiar with, with my own family. So I'm going to share that out in two weeks, a recommendation that you can get your kids into, start looking to get into. And this is one I'm a big fan of, and I think it's very useful. And it ties in with that culture of hockey. These are not just things that are going to help our players right now. It definitely will. You're going to win more games. Your players are going to win more games. If we can infuse these things that baseball doesn't really have too much of or lesser of than some of these other things that are out there, these other activities, these other sports, if we can take from those and infuse them into our team, into our kids, they're going to have a huge competitive advantage. And not only that, they're going to be better adults. Win, win. We're going to hit on those two things over the next couple of weeks. Next week, like I said, I'll share my experience at the college football title game. That was about a month ago. We'll hit on that, share what some of the players said. I thought it was interesting what they said directly to me and I'll share those out. And until next week, take care of yourself, your health, your family, your close friends as you already are. Keep it going and take this out to the field. Start planning to take it out to the field and go out there with more confidence. You will go out there with a plan that works. It's proven to work. It will work. Now you got to go put it into action, put it into play. And until next week, adios. This has been the 8020 Baseball Masterclass. Take it to the field.